Welcome to Only Human, a podcast from Don't Forget the Bubbles. This is Henry Goldstein with Becky Platt, and these are the stories that reflect the diversity of our community and the multitude of life events that come our way that shape us as professionals and as humans. Dinesh's story is both brutal and inspiring. Halfway through medical school, Dinesh was involved in a car accident, suffering a spinal cord injury and quadriplegia. Despite this challenge, Dinesh's passion and perseverance made history when he qualified as Queensland's first ever quadriplegic doctor. His achievement caught the attention of the media and featured on ABC News Australian Story. Our story picks up here where we find out how Dinesh has been able to progress his career since. Yeah, they spent about uh, six months putting that story together and filming bits and pieces. So they put a lot of effort into it. Um, So they covered a fair bit. But uh, since then, it's it's still been a roller coaster ride. I've um, progressed through my career. I was a uh, I was a JHO then, and now I'm a PHO in the ED. I've been chipping away at a spinal cord injury research project, so I split my time between the ED and that. Now we started from very very humble beginnings, just me and a colleague, um, and really tiny bits of equipment and our own time now we've been funded by the motor accident insurance commission um, who gave us uh two million dollars in funding just over a year ago so now we have a team of people so i work uh, half time in our lab and half time clinically Um, and i work at the disability royal commission as a senior advisor as well so i get to do a lot of fun and interesting things which i feel very fortunate for Dinesh found that despite the limitations of his injuries, colleagues of his were prepared to support him on his career path. I think just around that time uh, when Australian Story was filmed, I was working in the ED one night and it was the kids ED probably about 10pm and there's a paediatric emergency physician, Krista Bell, who some people listening to this might have come across. But Krista was sitting with me in the ED and we were talking about uh, what I want to do with my career. And uh, she said, you know, what, 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 do you, what do you like? What do you like doing? Where do you see yourself? And I said, you know, I really, I really enjoy working here. I enjoy what we're doing right now. And so she said, um, you know, if that's what you want to do, I think we as a department will make it happen for you and I'll go and advocate and will explore this possibility. You know, that was a really exciting thing for me because I didn't think that I could work in an ED after the injury. And at that point in time, I was thinking about uh, what I would do for the next couple of years and where I'd work. And for someone to actually just say that was a pretty exciting thing after the journey that was. So um, that, that was, that was a really that was a really cool moment in the career but here we are um, now on PGY5 um, so much has happened mm. I often can't believe that I woke up in an ICU just over 11 years ago now so but uh, I am super grateful for everything that I get to do today despite Krista's support Not everyone shared her view that Dinesh could meet the challenges of working in an emergency department. The journey up to that point, I mean, I had a lot of people that were supportive, but it was also, 
peppered with challenges, and some of them were big, big challenges. And all along that road, I think uh, people said, you need to pick a career that's sensible for you with your physical capacity. You need to think about uh, your injury and where you can fit into medicine. So it was very, very conservative. But for someone to come out and say there are there are big possibilities in what you can do was a was a really good thing, you know. Interestingly, there was another uh, doctor in the department who was a registrar at the time, who overheard the conversation between me and Krista, and she waited until I finished my shift. Uh, she waited back, and just as I was leaving, she pulled me up and said, "I know Krista." said what she said, but I think that's a terrible idea. So uh, there, there have been conversations like that along the road. Um, and even though I was uh, a bit taken aback, it was, it was still the reason why I thought uh, what Krista said was a really profound and awesome thing. Even though Dinesh's achievements have been remarkable, there have inevitably been some very dark times. Going through depression was an incredibly lonely thing because, and I see some of our colleagues going through this all the time, but I think it's, it's, it's also this um, cycle where you are struggling with yourself and you are trying to figure out why you're not happy and you're feeling low all the time, but you can't really interact with people around you as well and then I think people around you can get frustrated through that process and it can become this really, really bad spiral where you become more and more isolated and more and more alone. And really, like not many people can understand what it's like unless they've been through it. Depression is just a horrible thing. Like you just feel flat and you feel disconnected and you feel just low. I've heard this description of depression that is something that is upon you and as it drives away and you're just looking out watching it disappear in the rear view mirror as you drive as fast as you can away from it and just as your eyes go back to the road there it is you say hello friend yeah and that's a, a worry for a lot of people yeah it is it's so dark i mean even your sensory interactions are impaired so I actually remember the day um, that I realized that the depression had resolved, the very day. Um, and it, I, it obviously didn't happen overnight, but I just remember coming to the realization that, whoa, I think I've come through this. And it's when I drove out of my garage one day and uh, I just had the music going and I could just see the sunlight and see the trees and smell things and hear the music. I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Dinesh now gets to sit on panels of extremely influential people in Australia. But even at a high level, his experiences are hard for people to grasp. Last year, we had some roundtables at a federal government level about disability and the pandemic. Um, There's been some on the vaccination and disability and the pandemic. There aren't many people with lived experiences um, who are working in health or whatever is relevant at at some of those tables. It does take a bit of courage uh, because um, it's it's not really professionally encouraged for us, particularly in medicine, 
to go and speak about these sometimes for the risk of your career and progression and employers. I was reflecting as you said that, that I only looked at one quote to talk with you about, and it was from George Engel, who's uh, the originator of the biopsychosocial approach to healthcare and medicine. And he says, to be able to think of the disease as an in- entity separate from man and caused by an identifiable substance apparently has great appeal to the human mind. Perhaps the persistence of such views in medicine reflects the operation of psychological processes to protect the physician from the emotional implications of the material with which they deal. Oof, that's heavy. Yeah, heavier guy than us, right? <laughs> I, um, I went to a conference a little while ago and uh, there was, they, had, they did a really interesting exercise where they had a workshop with a group of patients and a group of doctors. And they uh, wanted the patients to tell the doctors what they wanted from, from them. And between an endocrinologist and a patient, this really heated argument started because the patient was saying, I really want you to enable me to live my life the way I want. And the endocrinologist was like, what are you talking about? I can tell you, I can tell you how to manage your diabetes. And uh, that's, that's what I do professionally. And he's like, you don't get it. Like, I want to time these things so I could go and do things and I want, I want to live my life to the fullest. And the, and the endocrinologist just didn't understand it. So I think, I think there's a, uh, we, we need to enable people to live a life and we need to see people as a human being. I think the, the, the most uh, significant and memorable interactions that I've had with patients is not about a diagnosis or a treatment or anything like that. It's been about a cup of coffee that I bought them or it's been about a conversation around their life or family. What has amazed and shocked Dinesh the most on his journey is the reaction of the patients he treats. So this is my... 50 as a doctor and I spent two years as a student wandering around the hospital and um, I've uh, put cannulas in patients for the first time um, and they've been they've been they've had the knowledge that it's probably the first time that it's ever been done in the world someone's let me suture them up with my boss so um, you know of, of course in a safe and controlled manner but not a single patient has ever said, hey, how come you're a doctor? How do you do this? And it's all been so positive. But it's, it's come from the medical side of it, which has been really interesting. Uh, and, yeah, there, there are people that have said um, that there, there are doctors that have had conversations like that with me. And I also reflect that Christabel, an emergency physician, and in fact, many other EM doctors in our department have been so supportive, but then uh, some doctors who've been in the least physical of specialties, um, who essentially operate from a desk, have said that I wouldn't be suited for that specialty. Dinesh's innate instinct to set goals and use techniques to help him achieve them have helped him get where he is today. 
when I was uh, practicing for my interview for medical school, I have a really good friend. We went to school together. He trained as an actor, so he's he's got all these techniques of visualization. And when we were doing it, he uh, gave me this visualization, which we did over and over and over again. And it was you picture this idea of you in medical school and you're becoming a doctor and whatever else. And you put it in a balloon and then you uh, cut the string and the balloon floats away. So the idea is there, you've seen it, uh, but you're not attached to the outcome. So now it's, now it's time for you to do the work. And when I came back to medical school from the accident, it was like that too. I knew that I wanted to graduate and I knew that I wanted to do well. I identified that, then I put it aside. And then I just set about doing the little things every day to get to that because it's a thousand different steps, right? So um, I think you have a goal and then you just start taking uh, small incremental steps to get there. And I think eventually you do get there because everything is made with tiny little steps. And I think as well as doing the work and putting in the time and effort um, occasionally coming up for air. Yep. Dinesh reflects on why he continues to do what he does and strive in his career. I think it was Nishi or someone who said, he who has a why can bear to live with anyhow. Yes. So I think having a why is really important because why is what gets us out of bed every morning and why is, uh, why is, is how you can keep going as why is how you can get through the hard times. So I think having a why is super, super important, whatever that why might be. Because I think um, you see the colleagues that don't have a why in the job anymore yeah. and uh, it's just a job. But if you're going to spend 8 to 12 hours a day doing something, I think you really need a why. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to get to the end of your life and go, I don't know how I felt about that. Yeah, and I think that that process of redefining your why at the appropriate moments is important too. Like why is this for me and my personal self or why is this for greater humanity or why is this for a particular patient cohort or why? And it's okay that that changes and that you reconsider it so long as you def- challenge yourself to define it when, whenever you're not sure. That, and you've got to do that at a sort of cognitively and emotionally neutral time. I agree, but I think if you're struggling to find a why some days, I think uh, I often think about what a privilege it is to have the job that we do, particularly in the last year. Like people celebrated healthcare workers. And I often think like you, you can ask a patient their sexual history or their illicit drug use and they won't think twice. Mm. They're just saying, yep, I cheated on my wife or whatever. Well, that level of trust is incredible. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, that human connection and the ability to do something. So, yeah, if you're struggling to find a why, that uh, at least thinking of that helps, I think. Dinesh, I'm so grateful for our chance to talk today. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been fun. And thank you for uh, what you guys do. Uh, don't forget the bubbles. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes of Only Human as well as details of events, courses and articles at don'tforgetthebubbles.com. Until next time.